Why Watch That is a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome Welcome to to Why Watch Watch That. So why watch that movie talk? We have two sneak peeks. One, two for you. The critic got a chance to see the Kill Team at the Tribeca Film Festival. Mm. Mm. And uh, we also, both of us got to see, got to see a sneak peek of Harriet. Mm. And that is was not at the Tribeca Film Festival. Uh, let's start with the kill team this is directed and written by dan kraus uh the cast you may not know everyone in the cast but you certainly know alexander skarsgård uh think big little lives think you don't want to be his wife um (laughs) you don't know adam long is showing up um just, you know, some other TV actors that you'll sort of go, oh, I think I know you from somewhere. Um, not Adam. Yeah, Adam Long. I I definitely have seen him before. You, you're going to go through other people maybe we should know. But basically, this kind of is a sleeper, meaning it's not heavily advertised. But we're, we're going to hear from the critic whether or not we should grab our purse, grab our wallet, and run out to the theater to watch this. Mm. Well, in 2009, Andrew Brigman, played by Nat Wolf, joined the U.S. Army as an infantryman. Okay. But before he was deployed to Kandahar, Afghanistan, he shared a little smoke with his father, who's a former Marine. But they were careful to make sure that mom didn't find out, you know? So it just showed how close they are. Even still, that closeness won't help Andy in Afghanistan. He's gonna have to form new bonds with his fellow troops to survive in that environment. However, after he arrives in the region, he finds that their mission is to document the locals and be seen as peacekeepers. And his staff sergeant is very serious about that. Don't scare the locals. And to prove it, the staff sergeant shows his young charges how it's done by greeting a group of kids. But let's just say that doesn't end well. And as a result, Andy's platoon receives a new leader, Staff Sergeant Deeks, played by Alexander Skarsgård, who's been through three combat tours. Mm -hmm. So he knows the truth about what's going on in Afghanistan. And he's preternaturally calm. But wait a minute, don't let that calmness fool you on the exterior, that would be a mistake. However, at first, Deeks, you know, he seems to be fine with Andy, so much so that he promotes him to team leader in unique fashion. But that decision just might come to haunt both of them later on. Regardless, at this point, Andy has formed quite the strong opinion about how they should handle the enemy. However, his commitment to that will be put to the test by Deeks and his fellow soldiers because he'll have to determine whether he wants to join their secret kill team or not. And this so-called kill team 
views any Afghani, civilian or otherwise, as a threat, regardless of what the evidence shows or lack thereof. So what's Andy supposed to do? Should he sanction the kill team's efforts? Should he be a willing participant? Or should he do something to stop them? His father has some ideas on that count, but he ain't in Kandahar. In fact, even when he was a Marine, he didn't experience battle. So it's all up to Andy. And whatever he decides has the potential to put him in extreme danger, either from Deke's kill team or from an outside threat. Because Andy's caught between, yes, the proverbial rock and hard place. And with that, writer-director Dan Krause has taken all of the work that he did while making the documentary about these events, which is also called The Kill Team, and made a narrative film that works pretty well as its companion. And like the documentary, this film is mostly simplistic and straightforward, allowing the story to build layer by layer over the course of its runtime. However, since this is a narrative feature, Dan has turned the volume up a little as he illustrates the events in Kandahar that were talked about, but of course not shown in the documentary. And the two pillars of his cast are as follows. There's Nat Wolf as Andy, who I mentioned before, who once again shows his acting chops as a guy whose intentions are pure in the face of moral corruption. Now, from what I remember, the real Andy, whose name is Adam Winfield, was short and slight of stature, which certainly doesn't describe Nat. However, Nat brings an openness and innocence to the role that's a good substitute. And then there's Alexander Skarsgård as Deeks, who's based on Staff Sergeant Calvin Gibbs. And in this role of a seemingly rational psychopath, Alexander uses his charm and intelligence in a way that echoes what he did in HBO's True Blood. He doesn't resort to playing the bad guy, which brings an appropriate chill to the proceedings. But the Kill Team's true selling point is Dan Krause's filmmaking style. For the most part, it's as clean as can be. Because as a director, and as was shown even more in the documentary, Dan likes to stay out of the way of the story, which is a commendable distinguishing trait. However, during the final third of this film, I think that the musical choices got in the way of that restraint. For instance, there's a scene when Andy makes a final call to his dad and he's distraught. And, you know, I found that when the music came in, it it lessened the scene's impact. In fact, no music would have been much more effective because up to then, Dan had given us all the materials that we needed in spare fashion to connect the dots ourselves. We don't need the musical assist. Even still, I think that both versions of the Kill Team are worthwhile for anyone who's interested in a fact-based contemporary look at war and its atrocities. And you can watch them in whichever order you like. It'll work either way. But just keep in mind that neither film is trying to blow you away. They're trying to draw you in and let the unfortunate situation speak for itself instead. Well, there you go with that. I am not going to say that you should run out to the theater. No. Uh, with that, maybe it's best if you wait till it comes. Or, you know. Yeah. Moving on to Harriet, which we both saw. This is a movie that is coming out November 1st. It will be widely released, so you will definitely be able to check it out at a theater near you. Um, remember, the Joker is taking everybody, it's like just sweeping everybody. Um, so if you want an alternative to that, I'm sure it'll be somewhere available. 
It is uh, directed by Cassie Lemons. It's written by uh, Gregory Allen Howard and Cassie, uh, but Gregory did the story. It has a very familiar cast if you love Broadway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, two, actually, two Broadway award winners. They, they won the same year. Mm-hmm. So we have leading as the titular character, as you like to say, Cynthia Everett, who plays Harriet. And she won the Tony um, for Color Purple. She's joined by Leslie Odom Jr., who, of course, is Aaron um, Burr in uh, Hamilton, won the Tony. Mm-hmm. Uh, Janelle Monet is showing up. Vanessa Bell Calloway is showing up. You've got Clark Peters showing up. You've got Jennifer Nettles showing up. You got all kinds of people who you kind of go, oh, are you in this too? You know, um, Bondi Curtis Hall is showing up and showing out. Uh, <laughs> this is available um, in PG-13, and I have to say that because it is a movie and there's, you know, slavery, and so you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is like 12 Year Slave or, you know, this, that. No, this is PG-13, and the critic's going to tell you You'll figure out from the critics' plot line why it is PG-13 and not rated R. Wow. Um, So at the opening, look, y'all, it's Harriet Tubman. Okay. So what do you know about Harriet Tubman? And then the question is, how are they going to do something in this movie that adds to that? That's the question. So in the beginning we find that Harriet's supposed to be free. Yes. Because of her mother, that family, her slave owner's supposed to let her go. She's not supposed to be a slave, neither is her sisters. But where are they? Now, her father is free. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mother's a slave. Father's free. Oh, I should say the grandmother through our grandmother, that's how right. she's supposed okay. to be free. Yes, I was, yes, thank you. Yes. So, mom is a slave, grandmother, father's side. That's the way she's supposed to be free. Father's free. It's like, okay, what's going on? They, really by committee, go to the massa and his son and his wife. And her and, husband. And, you know, Jen, and with her husband. Her free husband. Mm-hmm. Husband's free as well. They go there. They say, gently, you know, when am I going to get my papers? (laughs) Okay. I'm supposed to be free. How does that go down? How is that received? Well, you know. So what's Harriet going to do? How is she going to get out of this? Because she is committed to live free or die. That's it. So... She goes to her husband. She goes to her father. They're supposed to orchestrate a way to get her up north to Philadelphia. How does this happen? Well, you know how. But the question is, who are the people along the way that are going to help her? And how in the world is one little woman going to make her way all the way up to Philadelphia? Hmm. This is unheard of. 
it's virtually impossible. It's over a hundred miles on foot. So her husband is like, I'm going with you. She's kind of like, Ooh, but you're free. I don't want to ruin that for you. The father is like, let me tell you something. I ain't see you. <laughs> okay, I did not see you, so I don't know where you're going. Literally. And you'll see how that plays out. Yeah, literally. Oh, sorry, sorry. I I did not see you. <laughs> okay? <laughs> because he's known as being very honest. And remember, if she goes missing, who's going to have to pay? Right. Now, she is a prized slave. Why? I'll leave that for you to find out. Okay, so we know what's going to happen. I mean, it's about Harriet Tubman. We know she makes it up north. But what's the cost? Do you know that part of the story? Mm. What's the cost to the people who've been left behind? Cost to mom, cost to dad, cost to the husband, cost to her siblings. Cost to the massa. Now, we know that Harriet... When she gets to Philadelphia, she gets taken in by free black people. They were never slaves. Mm-hmm. Now, as you mentioned, Harriet's played by Cynthia Erivo, um, who she meets in Philadelphia when she first gets there is a man named William Still, who's played by Leslie Odom Jr. And he's looking at her going, you did what now? <laughs> <laughs> She comes in, he's like, okay, where the rest of you? He's like, excuse me? <laughs> okay, it's me. He's flabbergasted. He introduces her to Janelle Monet's character, Marie Buchanan, who owns her own building. Yeah, yeah. Her own business. And she takes Harriet in and really helps her to become a free woman. A year goes by. Harriet just can't stay in Philadelphia. Now keep in mind, if you don't know about Harriet Tubman, she did have sleeping spells. We saw this in Underground, the TV show. She had sleeping spells, she had visions. This is how she knew where to go and where not to go. So she's been tormented by a vision. She has to go back to save her family, most notably her husband. Now, William still is like, what? You going back alone, no. But we know what happens. The question is, not does she succeed? We know she does. We know she never lost a slave. The question is, who did she have to leave behind? Mm -mm. Who couldn't she save? And then as you move forward through her story, what were the changing dynamics because of that? And how did her being the greatest conductor on the Underground Railroad leads to other things from that as a result. Is this all she was or is there more? Do you know what else she did other than being a conductor? And of course, we have all kinds of atrocities to deal with. Of course, the the family that supposedly owned her, they don't want to give up. The son in particular. Why? Why? I think that's enough for the plot, Ref. What do you think? That was very, very good. Um, Mm -hmm. Here's the deal. It's PG-13, and like I was alluding to first, this really is not a movie 
it, it is angry. You, there are see, there, obviously in every movie like this and dealing with slavery um, and overt racism in this nature or, you know, people as uh, property. It's very, you, you are angered, you're annoyed, you are, um, you know, your blood boils a little bit. But like I said before, it's not a place where you see floggings and people, you know, it, 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 it's going to be just enough that your teenagers can join you in the theater if you have kids or, mm-hmm. you know, what have you. Um, I will say this. Cynthia Evro, as we talked offline about, is absolutely amazing in this. I was kind of giving her a side eye, I'm going to be honest, mm-hmm. only because it was announced maybe a year before or maybe six months before that Viola Davis is, is working on a project to play Harriet Tubman. I mean, who? what other actress do you want to play Harriet Tubman? She is Harriet Tubman. She is <laughs> Literally Harriet Tubman. Yes, reincarnated. <laughs> reincarnated. I mean, I, I'm on the edge of my seat, and then we hear this announcement from um, Focus Features, and we hear the the person who it is, and you know, no hate or anything. She's, Cynthia's an amazing actress. She did very well on The Color Purple, but she's a Brit, and so a lot of people had conversations about that. Whether you know, we keep seeing these Brits of uh, Twelve Years a Slave keep mm-hmm. seeing these Brits telling our African-American stories. But let me tell you something. She came in guns blazing, literally, literally, literally in this movie. She came in really prepared. And I believed her performance. I wasn't only um, floored by her, um, you know, regular performance, but there was a lovely, beautiful song at the end of the movie and you just you're reminded wow this girl's got some pipes just overall enjoyed her and to be honest with you i think it's called harriet so there weren't others that were quite developed so you mm-hmm. so people who were great actors to me really didn't shine out except for a couple and i'll leave those to you because we talked offline i don't want to steal your thunder there were a mm-hmm. couple of actors who were just absolutely standouts and they didn't have much to do, but boy, when they were on screen, you thought, whoa. And then there were some actors who were a little bit out of, um, you know, a little bit out of step a little bit. Um, so maybe the roles were too big or, or what have you. All in all, I'll say this. Listen, if you are, if you don't like slave movies because you are angered by it, if you have to see one, I would say this is the one to see. If you want to see a lighter version or a lighter, um, uh, you know, maybe not as violent. If you want to know a little bit more about Harriet Tubman and you want to take, you know, you want a variety of age range in there because it's not rated R. I think this is for you. I think that this is a movie that will eventually be shown in schools. Yeah. I really do. I think it'll be in schools. I do have a beef, though. A Mm. pretty big one. You alluded to it, and I'm not going to give it away because, you know, people may not know things about Harriet Tubman. There is a certain phase of Harriet Tubman's life that she does. Everyone thinks, oh, I just freed slaves. And yes, she did. But there's a whole other 
she didn't just crawl up and go and have some children and and never be hurt again which mm -hmm. you know that would have been amazing as that is <laughs> after all hot toddies right right and she she rightfully so she had a whole other career and i won't give away what those things are if you want to give away that's fine and they kind of dipped into it mm -hmm. and i thought ooh either commit or don't like that's you know either go there or don't so all in all i did enjoy it I like that they didn't shy away from the spells. I think you're gonna talk maybe a little bit about that. But mm -hmm. I would not say this is a movie that is, if you compare it with other movies of this topic, this is not one that really dives deep into the crevices of it. And you're not gonna walk away completely enlightened unless you have no idea who Harriet Tubman is. Yeah, you know, I think we're we're definitely um, in lockstep on this one. Again, Cynthia Erivo. The thing about her is what she got about Harriet Tubman, and you know what we know about her. It's not a loud strength. Yes. It's very calm and collected and confident. And watching Cynthia just track her through the movie, she's always, like you said, prepared and present and not in a forceful way. She's listening, she's having her thoughts, and she's looking to the future and to the Lord. You could see her. Yeah, she was She was definitely. <laughs> you could see her listening to people going, okay, that ain't what the Lord told me though. <laughs> okay, so next. Yeah, her face will show it all. <laughs> yes. And of course, like you said, we got to hear her sing. Of course, it's Cynthia Revo. It's Harriet Tubman. That's what you do. And it's not like, you know, that Cynthia's trying to sing like Harriet and show she can't sing. She's singing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you get that as well. Um, what I do want to highlight what you alluded to, there are two relationships in this movie that I was drawn in the most by. I really found that these actors together clicked. They had wonderful chemistry in a way that wasn't even called for. <laughs> it yeah, wasn't. Yeah, you're right, you're right. And this is Cynthia, of course, with her husband, who's played by Zachary uh, Momo, who's actually in the Kill Team, by the way. Oh. So him, that was great. You'll see what happens to that relationship. But I wanted more of that. Frankly, they could do a whole movie on that. Yeah. They could do, like, this is a series of movies they could do, or even like a TV show. Yes. <laughs> it's just a bunch of stuff TV that series. they could delve into. Yeah, absolutely. It could be the crown. Also, this could have it, been the crown. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, and then there's uh, Cynthia with her father, played by Clark Peters. Mm. Clark, Clark Peters is always great. Yeah. I. He was the woman's father, okay? He was the father. Yeah. You bought that he was a free man, concerned about not only Harriet, but the rest of his kids and his wife. Yeah, yeah. Doing this dance where he's trying to maintain his freedom and safety for his family and still supporting Harriet. How can you do all of that? It's not in the script. Mm. This was the actors there. So I, I thought that to me was what stuck with me. I also say that I did enjoy Bondi Curtis Hall as the preacher. <laughs> he didn't ham it all the way, which I appreciate. Now, you're not going to see exactly what's coming if you don't know the story yeah. from the beginning. Uh, he is, by the way, married to Casey Lemons. So very good casting decision there. Oh. Um, but overall, here's what I have to say. 
in regard to the experience outside of this. Like you said, it's kind of like a textbook version. The question for me, I kind of have sympathy here because how do you tell this story in a way that uh, isn't too longer than, isn't too much longer than two hours? Like, right, what do you right. pick? What do you show? They, they decided to move it, which I don't have a problem with. But yeah. like you said, you lose the depth and you lose some of your actors because some people need more in the writing to be able to land it. Not everybody is Clark Peters and Cynthia Arrivo. So that was the issue there for me overall. Also, some of the uh, artistic choices I thought weren't the best. The music, first of all, you got Terrence Blanchard to do the music. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was smart. But like when you t when we have these, when she's in the spells and we see the visions because they show them, to me it felt like when you're watching a docu-series on TV and they do a reenactment, you know, when they hire, like when they're doing like Einstein or something, they hire somebody uh -oh. to play Einstein. It yeah. looked like that. Yeah. So it took away from it. You're kind of like, okay, she had these, but can't we do something else with this? So they were Why a little we artistic. Maybe we don't need to see it. Maybe not. Maybe not. Or don't try to say, hey, this is a vision. <laughs> or or go all the way. Like have the clouds part and do the lightning and everything else. Like just, <laughs> I mean, but don't make me think I'm watching a TV reenactment. I mean, come on, y'all. With like the shuddering camera. It was like God, and the, the, the gauziness. Stop it. But that's not a big part of it. Um so we talked about this. I will say that in the screening I was in there were certain people who were having vocal reactions, okay? Yes, I was, so I was kind of in that yes. <laughs> So I would also say, in addition to what the ref said as a recommendation, I think if you are a person of faith, mm -hmm. you should see this. Yeah. It gets there, it will drive that message home. So if you are a person of faith, get everybody together, church groups, whatever, and go see this. I think it's gonna work really well for that audience in a theater. And I think if you're mm -hmm. not a person of faith and you are not black, mm -hmm. you won't feel it's an oak. You won't feel like everybody will hate you at the end. You know what I mean? Like Right, yeah, and you'll be like, safe. <laughs> 12 Years a Slave, if I was not black and I saw 12 Years a Slave, oh I would goodness. slither out from the back. I would go out the, how they, how they say. Before it's over. Right, we have two front exits. You know, only use an emergency. I would use those exits if I was mm -hmm. in the theater watching 12 Years a Slave that I'm not black. This, you you will feel, you know, it's, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And otherwise, you can wait. It's going to be fine on a TV if you want to see it that way. Uh, but again, there are some special moments here. I just wish they could have cracked the code a little more. Uh, but it is what it is. Is it formulaic? Yes. Is it a bad movie? No. All right. Well, it's available on November 1st. And again, it's a both of these movies one you may have to you know kind of fish around to find uh certainly you can watch it on demand but harriet boy i think it's going to be everywhere so if you're not going to watch joker you might as well go in and cleanse your mind and watch harriet Thanks for listening. 
For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea, and we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.